Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 23rd, 2014, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 26, and we're going to start with paragraph 3. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Carol G., 12 Traditions, Diane G., Reading the Text, Marie P., Sue V., and Chelsea H. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 22nd, 2014, is 7130, 7130. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carol G. to read the 12 steps. Press star one, Carol G. If Carol G. is not available, could I have Janice M. please read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous? Just a quick check, and am I being heard? Yeah, Okay, great. Thank you. Then um, I will go ahead and read the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And now I will ask Diane G. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Diane G. Melanie, can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Great. Um, This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here today to read the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige, prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 26, paragraph 3, starting with He Begged the Doctor, and I will ask Marie P. to begin our study. Good morning, Good morning. Marie. This is Marie P. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm recovered. He begged the doctor to to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. 
he could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. This was the great physician's opinion. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He may go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our doctor had with his our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, "You have the mind of a chronic alcoholic." I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed with a clang. But this man still lives and is a free man, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. We take our lesson from that. Maintain a simple a certain simple attitude, that is willingness. We have to be willing to follow the directions in the big book. And that leads us to a relationship with our higher power. So through him, we can achieve what we could not do alone. This is what Dr. Zhang told our friend in in the next few chapters. Uh, and our friend, uh, you know, a, a hell had closed on him with a clang. You know, I was such a, a compulsive overeater, and hell didn't close on me with a clang, but it certainly gave me a lot of suffering with my overeating. It caused family problems. It caused obesity. Uh It caused employment problems. There were just so many things that happened because I was a compulsive overeater. And the gates of hell didn't close with a clang, but they closed. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Thank you so much. Who would like to comment on the first two paragraphs, paragraph three and paragraph four? of the reading today, please, only. Lorna. Katie F. Larry. Marie. Amy. I'm going to go with the first four that I heard. I heard many more than that, but I'm going to go with Lauren S., Katie F., and Larry K. Lauren, would you get us started, please? Okay. Um, Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Lauren S. is in uh, Sam from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A recovered compulsive overeater. <clears throat> I too, that those words, certain simple attitude, just glare at me. And it, well, that's glare is not the word I meant to use. They, they are bold. They bolden themselves to me. And I have here at the bottom of twenty-five reminds me of this attitude that that I also have to accept, which is we were faced with two alternatives, you know, not three, not four. 
and um, there's no middle of the road solution. And for me, any non-spiritual solution is a middle of the road solution for me because because what I'm trying to to recover from is not not a bodily problem. It's not a mental problem. It's it's the third part of my problem. It's the spiritual part, or not spiritual part, it's the spiritual malady. And, um, and, and why do I know that? You know, like for me, like I'm recovered today, but I'm not recovered from a bodily problem. I'm not recovered from a mental or I'm like baby, I am recovered from a bodily and mentally, but I'm not recovered from a spiritual problem. That's 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 the malady that I'm never gonna recover from. Oh gosh. Okay. So so I uh, I have to live with this simple attitude that you know she was I can either go on to the bitter end or accept spiritual help. And that's the attitude I have to adopt every single day in recovery. And the second little gem that I I just found beautiful and for me is proof that God is out there and he's inside of us at the same time is that Roland recovered. And he went back and joined the Oxford group and then he took this simple program of action and tenets of the Oxford group and um, was able to help Ebby. And then Ebby brought this to Bill. And then meanwhile, Bill was in New York getting all this other information you know, about his allergy. He got all that information about the, the, the physical allergy from the doctor. And now Bill is going to get this information about the spiritual malady from Ebby. And it's it's beautiful because step one about, you know, the three parts of step one, our, our physical problem was, was obtained from a person who wasn't an alcoholic. The other part, you know, you know, our, gee, was that the step two, our, our, Meeting a power greater than ourselves, you know, of of the spirit from Carl Jung. Carl Jung wasn't an alcoholic either. And then the way to access this power through these steps, these tenets from this Christian Oxford group. These Oxford group people weren't alcoholics. And it's just, it blows my pants off that this whole way to live life on life's terms, this whole beautiful spiritual way of living was created and, and, and inspired by people who weren't even alcoholics. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. And just um, as a point of clarification, our focused sharing begins today with paragraph four, but this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. And so that's where we'll begin our sharing today. And Katie F., you're next. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. 
and I wanted to focus on that um, he does not need a bodyguard nor is he confined. confined. You know, I, I have a life today where I can go. Um, we have a Christmas party in my office today, and I'm not, you know, trying to figure out how I can make what they're having, you know, work with my food plan by combining, you know, meal, combining food groups and combining this and that and having all my fat at lunch or, you know, some crazy thing. Um, I don't do that today. I am, but nor do I feel confined. I don't feel um, like I am being uh, punished because I can't eat what everyone else is eating, you know, from, uh, Halloween to Easter, which is, you know, kind of just a lot of days here and there where people get to um, get to just eat whatever they want. That's the way it comes across to me. But the reality is um, that I am a free person because I can be around all that stuff and I'm not, you know, gritting my teeth and white knuckling it and, and uh, moaning and groaning. I I feel my feelings today, and that is um, so different from how I lived the first few decades of my life. I didn't, if I had a feeling, then, you know, I looked for a way to numb it. Um, I used many different things to do that, but my primary addiction was food. And, you know, today I don't have to do that. When I start to feel a feeling, you know, sometimes I actually call someone and say, I'm feeling a feeling, and we have a big laugh about it because, you know, we know that that is like a disaster for us. But but it really isn't. I live through those feelings, and I live through all of these events, and I'm not the center of the universe, and I'm not the person, you know, moaning in the corner or, um, you know, drooling over the buffet. I can blend in and have a good time despite the fact that I'm not partaking with what everyone else is doing um, on these days without uh, any consequence. I brought uh, some special sweets into my office yesterday, and I'm telling you, I could have eaten that whole box in about an hour, and, you know, everybody loved it. They said how great it was, and no one uh, binged on it. You know, no one, because they had to walk by my desk, and I didn't see one person, you know, going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth like I would have done. Um, but I am, I am free today, and I'm just so grateful, and it's, you know, it's for anyone who wants to take the action. Thank you, KDF. Larry Kay, it's your turn. Thanks, Mel. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Chicago. And, and uh, like Roland Hazard, yes, I, I am a free man today. You know, thank you, God. Someone, one time I heard someone say, you know, thank you for noticing God's handiwork. I stole that from her. I use that a lot. It seems to capture what part of my freedom today, uh, God's handiwork. My freedom from, you know, the ravages of this disease is, you know, is, is centered in the change that God brought about. I, I didn't bring this about. I, I did some simple steps. You know, I'm not trying to minimize what I did, but, you know, come on. I did some steps, and, uh, and then God did the rest for me. I did my part, and then God did, God did what was promised. 
So in other words, somehow these steps brought me into alignment with God's will for me. And I, I was reconfigured as a man in terms of my strivings, in terms of, you know, my limitations, my interpretation of the meaning of things, you know. So, so just like, you know, all these drunks that came before me, you know, my, my purpose has been rewired by a power greater than myself. And this was a divine act. This divine, merciful transformation was done to me. And believe me, if it was a just God, it probably, in my mind, would, would not have been done for me. But thank goodness it was a merciful, merciful God, the God of my understanding, and this, this transformation was done to me. And, you know, frankly, it doesn't matter if I can't figure out why it happened, how it happened, or even what exactly happened. Couldn't, couldn't explain that to you exactly. I just have the, the evidence that comes in, in, in reflecting back, you know. And, and the point is, I'm not the same man that I was, period, you know. And that's the big difference here is that I'm a different guy. I've been reborn. I've been enlightened. I've been healed. Now, I didn't come here to become reborn, enlightened, and healed. I came here because I wanted to lose some weight. And yes, that's one of the, one of the things that happened to me is, is I'm 100 pounds less than I was when I walked in the rooms. But if that's the only thing you notice, now that's what people notice. You know, but people that know me, what they see is a much greater transformation that God brought about in me because I, those bedevilments do not own me anymore. I can control my emotional nature. Can you imagine? I can, I'm not a prey to misery and depression today. Thank God. You know, this is what this program is. Otherwise, Weight Watchers and all these other things that are beautiful commercial programs, that would have worked and they never did for me because I had a spiritual gangrene, as my friend likes to say. You know, and God came to me through my wounds, and the rest is history. And thank God, now I just, I just go on my free, merry way, helping others, trusting God. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Who else would like to comment on paragraphs three and four on page twenty-six? I'd like to comment. Cool. Cool. Okay. Melissa C. Betty Ann H. Rasa. I hear um, Vasa O. I heard Nicole. I heard Betty Ann. Rochelle. Kim. Rochelle and Kim. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, Let's see. I'll add Melissa to this one, too. Thank you so much. Vasa O, would you please go first? Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Melanie, for your service again. And I am Vasa O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from Florida. And uh, yeah, I want to apologize. Yesterday, I made I got confused with Dr. Young and Roland, and I think I used Dr. Young as an example. This is my English confusion. But anyways, um, I like this paragraph we just read. If I'm spiritually fit, like Roland, I can do anything and go any place in the world. To, and and I, I and that has God has done for me that I couldn't do for myself. Um, I've taken many, many vacations. I've gone on many, many cruises, and uh, and I 
felt that gotten the protection from God when it came to the food addiction. And again, you know, food was my number one addiction uh, that I was struggling in those years. So, um, you know, like here, the holidays are here, and I'm having uh, people uh, tomorrow night. I'm going to cook it, and I'm going to bake it, and I'm going to serve it, but I don't have to eat it. I don't have the desire. I don't want it. I don't need it in my life anymore. So I'm just so grateful that, you know, I am in a place where I am. And, uh, again, like it's like the alcoholic, you know, that uh, he can go uh, and work in a bar and serve alcohol. And that's a miracle. I mean, that's a miracle. It's a miracle for me. I can go in a restaurant. My house is a restaurant. You know, I mean, my own family, I cook, you know. And because of my healthy cooking and, and nutritious foods, you know, my husband is much healthier because, I mean, he doesn't have the food addiction, but he'd be living on macaroni and cheese and peanut butter, you know, if I wasn't cooking the way I do. So, you know, his health is excellent too. And I'm not saying that he eats everything what I eat, you know. I do special things for him that he enjoys and he loves but I don't have to cook them. So if I am spiritually fit, I can go anywhere or any place, and, um, you know, I don't have to uh, eat it, you know. I don't have to, you know, if people push it on me, and I say, no, thank you. And a lot of times when I went to Europe, you know, I mean, they pushed the food, they pushed the desserts, you know. And I said, I'm sorry. I I have an allergy. I'm diabetic. If I take a bite, I'm going to die, you know. I have to lie, you know, in order to save my abstinence. So, uh, again, we are thought not to lie here, but I remember they would put give me candy, and I put it in my pocket, pretend that I put it in my mouth. And I didn't put it in my mouth. I put it in my pocket, you know. So I take whatever it takes. You know, God gives me the strength, the willingness to do whatever it takes to be abstinent. And thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Nicole S. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Colorado. Um, thank you so much for your service today. And um, I love how it says, um, this man still lives and he is a free man. And I feel that that's exactly um, what has happened to me. And as it goes on, it says, you know, um, that he remains uh, willing to have a certain simple attitude. And, um, you know, and then talking about he has the mind of a chronic alcoholic. And that's such a good reminder for me that um, I, I still my, I have a compulsive overeater mind, and I'm always going to have that. And I always have to um, maintain, be willing to maintain that certain simple attitude. And as many people have shared, you know, this program is simple. Um, it's not easy, though. And um, I, I have to have spiritual help. I can't, I can't do this program without spiritual help, and I have to rely on, on um, God's power and strength to help me with this um, every single day. And um, I, just, um, I just am so grateful for the freedom, though, um, that, uh, that I have. And yesterday, um, my son wanted to have some friends over and, and decorate cookies um, for Christmas. And, you know, I was able to do that and help them and um, decorate them with them. And I, I, don't have to, I don't have to eat them. And I can enjoy that and I can have freedom um, from, uh, from 
having to you know to eat those and um and i I still know that i I still have the mind though that if I had chosen yesterday to eat even one cookie i'd be I'd be just you know out running again um because I still have the mind of a compulsive overeater, and that is not going to change. But because of this program and because of God's help and strength, I have the freedom from that, and I don't even want to eat that. And I can enjoy helping him and seeing him have fun, and um, and not having to not having to eat them. And I have that that freedom, and um, that is that is an absolute gift that I have from God. But I I do have to remain willing to maintain this certain simple attitude. And the thing that we hear over and over again is, um, you know, freedom freedom isn't free. You know, a price had to be paid. And it is um, simple, but it's not easy. And I'm so grateful for this program and for the big book and everyone um, who, has, uh, who has helped me on my journey that I can have this neutrality with food and this freedom. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Nicole S. Betty Ann. Betty Ann. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. There you are. There you are. Yeah. Um, What jumped out at me was um, he had to be, the doctor said, okay, he's got to be under lock and key, have a bodyguard. And the other phrase, we are from a seemingly hopeless state. Um, it's very interesting. I heard a talk the other day. Does God talk to us today? I mean, we haven't got any open miracles these days. How does God talk to us? God, and the person said, God talks to us through showing us the patterns in our life. And I thought, that's amazing. That's step four. This is the program. We have a spiritual malady, and when we eat the food, the food lies to us. I mean, I want to comfort myself. I want to not feel how upset I am or happy I am or anything. And so I was eating carbs and sugar, not to feel that or to do something, numb myself. But it's a lie, the whole lie. And God says, no, look at the patterns in your life. It might not be easy but it's simple. And um, so many of these these people in the first 100, they were all down and dirty drunks and hopeless. And, um, you know, just either being locked up in asylums or dead. And God saved them because they were able to clear their minds and look at the patterns in their life and God does talk to, and I think it's amazing how divinely inspired this program is. Um, so that's all I have to say. And today is my anniversary. I just have to claim that. Four years of back-to-back abstinence. And um, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Betty Ann. Rochelle, it's your turn. Rochelle, are you with us? Press star one. Hi, good morning. This is Rochelle. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay, good morning. Wonderful. Good morning. I was just saying how wonderful it is to be here and to be in this part of the book and to know, quote, there is a solution. 
So here we are reading about this uh, this fellow who felt he should be under the doctor felt he should be under lock and key. That's the only way he'd get saved. And I used to think to myself, well, you know, if I had someone I could hire and they would be with me all day long, then they would see if I was about to take something I shouldn't eat, they'd take it away from me. Or they wouldn't let me eat it, you know, because that's how I felt because I couldn't do this myself. You know, and today, just like this fellow, I can go anywhere on this earth and I don't have to worry about it. The food no longer draws me. You know, it's like so amazing because I couldn't do it myself. And then it says at the end of that, that, that paragraph, provided remains willing to maintain a, sim- a certain simple attitude. Wait a second. I tried so hard. I couldn't do this. So many times I just fell on my face and had to try over again. And it didn't work no matter how, how earnest I was in my attempts. It didn't matter. I failed. And what do you mean? All I have to have is a certain simple attitude. So we haven't gotten to that yet, but it seems to me that that has to be humility. It has to be humility before God instead of ego in front of myself. And I think that's what I need to have on a daily basis. I have to maintain a simplicity that in front of God that I am his servant and and the food is just there to to be enjoyed, but to be enjoyed in service to the higher power. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Rochelle, what's the first initial of your last name before you mute? Oh, I may have missed her. Kim G., you're next. Thank you. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm going to link that free man versus needing a bodyguard. You know, for many years in OA, I treated it as a diet program. So, so when I, and that's what OA was for me. It was this bodyguard that protected me from the food. You know, there's a huge difference between the freedom from the allergy not being triggered and the freedom from the obsession removed. So when I was in OA treating it like a diet club and all I was doing was trying to abstain from my binge foods, there was a certain amount of freedom in not eating my binge foods. So what was that like? Why did I need a bodyguard? Because I was in a 12-step program working a three-step program doing steps one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And what was my plan? My plan was to stay on guard and exert my willpower, which was exhausting. And I would always be one bite away, one bite away, one bite away, because the obsession would be gnawing at my brain. You know, the, 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 I'm sorry, the phrase that I heard often in LA, which was so true for me, is we have to take the tiger out of the cage three times a day. And the, between those meals, that tiger was stalking me because I was only treating the allergy. I had to avoid people, places, and things because what if they trigger me? And let me tell you, when you're an untreated compulsive overeating, my experience is the biggest trigger is being awake. Because if I'm awake, there's a darn good chance I'm going to eat. And I had to go to a lot of meetings because the meeting was the only place I felt safe. And the meetings hopefully would give me enough relief so I wouldn't eat one day at a time. So that was the bodyguard of Overeaters Anonymous as the fellowship, which supported me. But I was insane. So what does freedom feel like? When I treat the obsession of the mind by walking through these steps and having a connection with God, what do I experience today as a recovered person as long as I maintain this simple attitude? Well, I actively work steps 11, 12, 10, 11, and 12, which means 10 is I have daily contact with recovered people, 11, I have daily contact with God, 12, I have daily contact with the still suffering. 
And I don't work one, two, and three. I teach one, two, and three. Because by teaching one, two, and three, I'm reaffirming my powerlessness, reaffirming my need for power, and reaffirming that decision. Today, as I go into the holidays, I'm connecting with people and not with the food. I'm no longer one bite away, but I understand I'm a few thoughts away if I don't treat the, the obsession of the mind. And I'm just going to end with this paradox. Today I am recovered. Today I am convinced and I know deep down in my soul that I am permanently recovered as long as I, li- I live in these steps and keep this connection with my higher power open. I am equally convinced if I do not do that, that in a few days I will be face down in the food. So isn't that ironic? I am equally convinced that I am recovered permanently, and I am equally convinced that I will be in the food in a couple days. And that difference is, am I willing to maintain this certain simple attitude by working the steps? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And next is Melissa C. And after Melissa, we'll move on to the next couple of paragraphs. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, this is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And I'm so grateful to feel free today, um, you know, and reflecting on um, what it is like to be enslaved by the food. And, um, you know, I, my focus before was um, I, I didn't really want to let go of the food. I wanted to let go of the weight, and I wanted to get away with as much as I could while trying to... Um, trick the world in a normal-sized body, Um, and when the body reflected what I was doing, then then it was really the the show was over. And, um, you know, to be enslaved, uh, struggling to stay abstinent, I was also equally enslaved because um, I thought abstinence was recovery. I made the mistake in thinking that was my sole goal, and um, that's not my sole goal. That is the requirement so that I can have a relationship with God so that I can live a life that's free and recovered. And, um, you know, a year ago, uh, going into the holiday season, I'm I'm a teacher, and there's tons of food and candies and treats and all my trickle foods, and, you know, Last year, I um, fell off my abstinence because that was the definition of recovery for me. And, um, and, and, you know, and then the vacation was spent um, tortured. I was torturing myself trying to get it back together. And today, I really, I just feel free. I, but free with um, requirements. I, I have to do the daily work. It's not, um, you know, my body might look normal or closer to normal right now, but make no mistake, I am still just as diseased as um, as ever, and that uh, my body <laughs> is not always a reflection of what's going on inside this, this crazy mind that really needs God, needs a spiritual toolkit in order to have recovery. And you know, today I can be around all those foods and have no interest. I'm really, I'm free. It's not even like, it's not even like I'm struggling. Um, but I know that if I pick it up, I'll be right back. Um, and that's, you know, that's the nature of my illness, of my disease. And so thankful to be free. Thank you. That I have. Thank you, Melissa C. 
And Suvi, would you please advance our study to page 27, paragraph 1 and 2. Paragraph 1 begins with some of our alcoholic readers, and the second paragraph ends with a clang for our next focused reading. Good morning, Sue. Hi, Melanie. Thank you. It's Suvi Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. <clears throat> uh, some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. So um, in these two paragraphs, you know, I I guess this is appealing to us. You know, this is appealing to me as a compulsive overeater and telling me maybe you still think you can do it without spiritual help. Maybe you still think you can do it on your own. Um, and and um, they're going to further tell us why it's just not possible. And and this is how Roland became the free man that he is that he was today in that in that day. And when they talk about you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic, I truly identify with that because, um, and it talks about that, you know, a lot in the previous pages. And um, I found that for me, my mind always told me it was okay to have just one. And no matter how painful the after, you know, the remorse was after, the the self-loathing, no matter how that was, I would always forget I always forget that. Why? Because I was still looking for that sense of ease and comfort brought about by the food. I was uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You know, that's how I lived my life. From an early age, I was uncomfortable. So I sought out things that relieved me. Did I consciously do that? Not really. I just, I just kind of found a few things that felt good. And more is always better in my book. So I always wanted to feel good. So right there, I know I had the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I did. And um, it took many, many years of that sort of thinking pattern to be fully established. But nonetheless, it was there. Um, I was never, I had never had a real desire to stop. I had a desire to be thin, but I didn't have a desire to stop. So when the weight reached a certain point, I'd pull myself back. I'd gain some control. I'd lose some weight, but then the same thing would happen again. Because it says a couple pages further, if hundreds of, I mean, behind us here, um, on page 22, if hundreds of experiences have shown me that one, one binge, one bite, means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why do I take that first bite? And it tells us next paragraph, we can't answer the riddle. We can't answer it. But we found this solution. You know, the bottom line is I always wanted that effect because my normal state was to be restless, irritable, and discontented. And my mind wanted to fix that. In my mind, I wanted it fixed. So I did not know how to fix it other than go to the food. And then, you know, that feeling that, that Roland got you know, as it talks about that the gates of hell are closed. He wanted to stop. He wanted to stop. I wanted to stop. I couldn't. I really couldn't in the end. And I didn't even know I couldn't for a long time. 
You know, my state of desperation when I picked up the phone and listened to the Vision for You meeting was a very subtle. I mean, that makes, when I think of desperation, lots of times I think just, you know, gripped, I'm going, I'm desperate, I'm getting what I need, you know, that kind of thing. But my desperation was, you know, it talks about it in a, um, oh my goodness, a definition, you know, a desperation was just the fact that I felt hopeless. The situation was hopeless. I lived in that hopeless situation without any help. I didn't go to OA anymore. I lived that way for two years. And it it wasn't, you know, earth-shattering. It was just painful giving up. And so I picked up that phone and I found the answer through the spiritual solution, which is working the steps in this program. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Suvi. Hi, Charles like H. Amy, can I share? Charles H. I have, I have Charles H., Amy, and I can take one more person. That will close out our meeting. This is Bella. Can I share? I got you, Bella. Thank you so much. Charles H., would you begin? Thank you. Um, good morning, all visionaries. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. And, man, this is this is good. You got to be quick on that button when you get to these, you know, there's a solution. <laughs> you got to be quick on that button, let me tell you. So, you know, I know, you, you know, I love to, you know what, there is a solution. But in order for me to know that there's a solution, I have to be convinced fully, 100%, maybe 10% on top of that 100, that I, that I, that I am hopeless and I got a mind of a chronic alcoholic. And, and, and I need to hear that um, we've never seen one single case recover. I need to know that I was hopeless in order to get some help. And ain't it funny, you know, um, that I begged the doctor as well to tell me the whole truth. But three pages before, once in a while, I may tell the truth. You know, I may tell the truth once in a while because I want to hold on to my binge foods and still look a certain physical way. And then three pages later, just because I have all that money, I get the best doctor in the world, and I want him to tell me the whole truth. Like, I'm hopeless. How can... How can can you stay with me all the time so that I don't, you know, pick up sugary substances? And he and the doctor's like, you know what, man? I don't want to jerk you. It, it just sounds like a trainer trying to work with a 600-pound person that just won't, you know, they could take their money and make them feel good, but it, it, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. It ain't going to work, man. It ain't going to work unless I have a spiritual connection every single day. Spiritual help every day. Like, I, like, like, like I got to take a third step. I got to say the third step prayer every day, the 11-step prayer. I got to pray and meditate. Pray, ask God for this help. Meditate, listen for his answers in all my affairs, not just with the food. And I remember, like, I remember before coming to vision for you, you know, the, the gates of hell was when when the fridge closed because my mind was closed too. Like man, I can't I can't do this. How can I do this today? How am I doing this today? You know, the, with with the help of the great physician's opinion, the, these doctors are incredible. The the Oxford group was incredible. We took a piece of this and a piece of that, and without it, this big book would not be what it is today. And today I am the exception, the long shot. 
the long shot that, you know, will take my shot every single day. Because, you know, I have the mind of a chronic alcoholic, and you know what? It was almost over, man. So dark before the dawn. It was almost, I can't forget that. I can't forget that I have no control, and we're going to hear that in my favorite chapter coming up in a few pages. You know, the word control on that page five times. This is the first step of recovery. Listen, I got to live. I'm going to wind down. We got more people. I live in 10, 11, 12, and 1. And that's why I get up, no matter how much I worked last night, I get up to get this money. And this money is money that I can't be refunded. I don't want to refund this money. This is good money. And with that, I pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles H. Amy G., you're up next. Hi, Melanie. This is Amy. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Good morning. Oh, great. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks for your service. Thank everyone for our awesome meeting. Um, I've never seen one single... Oh, this is Amy, recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Grateful to be here. I've never seen one single case recover where the state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. It's interesting here. that this great physician, Carl Young, is saying to Rowan, state of mind, not state of body. It's state of mind. Again, we've been addressing the mental obsession, the greater aspect of this disease. He's not saying the state of body, i.e., whether you're 100 pounds overweight, whether you're 200 pounds overweight, whether you're bulimic, whether you're anorexic. He's addressing the state of mind and that it's never once this state of mind exists in us as compulsive readers or alcoholics, that's it. We're done. You know, and here Roland realizes this. I mean, what's happening here to Roland? Roland is hitting bottom. He felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a claim. I know what Roland is feeling. I understand that. I mean, it expands on it in vision for you. When we wake up in the morning after binging our brains out, or I did, when the four terrible horsemen arrived, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair, I understand that how many times did I try with all my will and all my might, even with all that I knew in Overeaters Anonymous year after year, still putting food in my mouth going, wait a minute, I thought I knew, I thought I understood, and yet here I am still putting my allergic substance, I'm still thinking that somehow my sick mind can heal my sick mind. It goes on to say someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness, loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place and he will wish for the end. I can tell you folks, I wished for the end like others had said, but it is the dark, dark before the dawn because why this insistence that we all have to hit bottom and why I had to hit bottom because I had to understand that of myself, there was no way I was going to conquer this disease. But we just talked about a few paragraphs ago that this Roland, this man, became a free man. How did that happen? Because we have a solution here, folks. We have a solution. But we must hit bottom first. If we look at step one in the AA 12 and 12, Alcoholics Anonymous 12 and 12, why all this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the AA program unless they have hit bottom. For practicing AA's remaining 11 steps mean the adoptions of attitudes and actions that almost no alcohol, alcoholic or compulsive overreader like me can dream of taking. And it goes on to explain in just short brief what we do when we work. As others have said, freedom isn't free. 
And it says further down here, under the lash of alcoholism, we are driven to AA. And there we discover the fatal nature of our situation. And then only then do we become as open-minded to conviction and willing to listen as the dying can be. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. I can tell you, folks, after those four terrible horsemen, every morning waking up to this, I wanted to be free. I had to hit bottom, but I wanted to be free. I didn't want. And I was at a point where I couldn't imagine living with it, with the food or without it. But it was the dark before the dawn because then I knew of myself I could not conquer this disease. I had to reach out for help, and I had to be willing and open-minded and honest to work these 12 steps. But the freedom is here. The solution is here. It is here in these first pages. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Bella G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overreader. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Yes, I thought that I can do it without spiritual help. I remember my first meeting in the OA when I came in and I just heard God and God and higher power. And I thought to myself, oh, this place is not for me. I am coming. I come here to lose weight. I know that I am overweight. I want to lose weight. You know, don't talk to me about God. I am a religious person. I know who is God. You know, it's nothing to do with my overweight. Thank you, God, that I continue to come in. And let me tell you that I did find a new God. Yes, now my God is not the same God. Now I have a God that accepts me, loves me, and, and supports me. Yes, now I have a loving God not a punishing God. And yes, because I have the acceptance of God and I know that God loves me the way I am, you know, I, I, can, I don't have to run to the food. I don't have to, to take a food as a solution. Now, yes, I know I can do it without a spiritual uh, help. Yes, because now I choose to be connected to a loving father, to an acceptable king. And this is the key of my life, of my freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And thank you to everyone who has shared today. It is time to close our meeting, and we will close the meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Chelsea H., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and good events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.